This is a sporting discussion, your podcast discussing sports of all sorts. I'm AJ Mithen, and it is a very, very comfortable episode this episode. We're back in ASD Stadium. We're back talking to each other face-to-face. It's the very, very comfortable-looking Andrew Donison. Andrew, how are you? Like a man in a Snuggie, I am comfortable, AJ. <laughs> a Snuggie. Oh, how comfortable would you say you are? As, as comfortable as a man in a Snuggie. Yeah, that works. All right. Like, like I just said. Or, or as comfortable as old tracksuit pants. Old tracksuit pants. All right. I like that one too. Yeah. Uh, good to have the, the back to the home ground advantage that ASD Stadium provides. Uh, we know every inch of the place. Oh, AJ, is that a little bit of a portent to what we'll be talking about during the episode? Understanding yeah, your I'll, home ground. No, I'll leave it as a cryptic clue. Okay. Um, in this episode, we are going to talk about our scapegoats, particularly ones that come in from the listeners, the people who you love to hate when your team is not performing well or when your team doesn't go well. It's always someone's fault. Always. Always, always someone's fault. We're also going to talk about the first week of the NRL and AFL finals, and there's going to be a truckload of questions without notice, uh, some of which we stole off your suggestions on the Twitter at ASD underscore podcast or going to facebook.com slash a sporting discussion where... Our lovely listeners give us all sorts of tips, feedback and suggestions for the scapegoats this week. Mm-hmm. Let's get into it, shall we? I think we should. Mm-hmm. Will we start scapegoats or will we go... Let's go finals, finals. first. We'll go f- okay. Finals first. Because that'll lead to some scapegoats, I'm sure. Will it what? You put out a poll uh, asking whether the which were the better finals. Was it the... NRL finals or the AFL finals. That's right. Now, do you want to... Resounding victory for the NRL. It was in the end. Uh, 60% of the votes went to the NRL, 33% to the AFL. 7% said both have been poor, so that's obviously disgruntled AFL fans. Oh, okay. Right. There's not many. The the NRL finals, this... Yeah, there's no comparison to what we witnessed over the weekend, is there? No, so you're just looking at the scores. Three close games in the NRL. One, not necessarily blowout, but not close game. And three not close games at all in the AFL and one close game. So just doing it purely on... Purely on scores. Yeah. Well, the other thing, that the... The biggest score in the NRL was a 12-point win to Penrith over Manly, mm. and that included a score on the siren. So it was only six points the difference with about 20 seconds left. Well, it was level with less than less than 10 to go. So, yeah. so the, I'll, I'll speak on behalf of the NRL first. Okay. Every, every single game was an absolute cracker. Which and I've said this before on the podcast, and we've said it on our Facebook.com slash the sporting discussion. The NRL belts the AFL for finals quality and finals drama every single year. You said that last week. I said that last week. Yeah. It sounds like the sort of thing I'd say, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the the AFL certainly had the crowds at the at the games, and that's been a big talking point, not just this week, but all throughout the season and, and in recent years about the, the lack of people going to, to rugby league games. And we've talked about, you know, how good is it when they go to the local grounds. And mm. you, you look at the, the biggest crowd in the rugby league was actually the Melbourne Storm crowd. Yeah, 20, about 22 and a bit. Yeah. yeah. And all of, the, all of the other ones, the teams aren't – well, sorry, the Roosters um, – are a, a Sydney City team, mm-hmm. but the other teams aren't really based in the city. Like Manly and Penrith, 
they're, they're well, Penrith's good. out of the West. Yeah, Penrith Stadium's there, but Penrith finished eight. Uh, sorry, yeah. they finished. It's a man, like it was, Manly yeah, it was Manly's home, but they wouldn't play that at Brookvale because Brookvale is a suburban park. But not, they not up to final standard. Yeah, but if they're getting fifteen thousand to a forty thousand seat stadium, well, what? where else could they go? Parramatta Stadium is being rebuilt. Brookvale, they can't go to Brookvale. Why not? Because they you can smell the toilets out in the middle of the ground. Oh well. And then, every, and then we would just be hearing about why the hell did they play this at Brookvale? Brookvale's a crumbling <laughs> site relic of nothing. Exactly. <laughs> there we go. What about Cronulla and not being able to play at Shark Park? That was a bit of a weird one for me. Uh, 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 that can only be, I'm guessing here, but that has to be contracts or yeah. something like that. Especially when they were playing North Queensland. So you wouldn't necessarily expect a huge contingent of North Queensland supporters yeah. would come down. Not for an elimination final, no. No. And so you don't necessarily need to play that at Allianz Stadium. It was interesting, though. I think they only got 16-ish, yep. something like that. Um uh, and that's pretty much an indictment on your Cronulla fan, isn't it? I would have thought so. Because yeah. your last year's premiers backing up in what's going to be a tough final season, uh, fifth on the ladder, just missed the top four, expecting to make a charge and it's going to be a tough charge because you've finished fifth and you won't have a double chance and none of them showed up. Yeah. Uh, why? Why, AJ? Well, I don't know. That's you a good know. question. Everyone, what, what, it's, it's easy enough in rugby league to blame, oh, it's too far away, or, oh, I can't afford to pay this and that and the other. Well, you can, and you can get there if you really, really want to. Yeah. Rugby league is a very good television game, though. Yeah, like, true. It's, it's right there. The The camera just follows the, the ball so well that you can – it's really easy to just go, ah, oh, bugger it, I'll just watch it at home. Yeah, but let, let, and Channel 9's um, – Channel 9 and Fox NRL's – uh, coverage of finals has been is really good. Yeah, it always has been. It's again miles ahead of the dross that Channel Seven give you. Let's have a quick chat about the Melbourne Storm Parramatta Eels match, where Melbourne were expected to just romp it in. And were they? Well, they as you know, Tim Gore was saying last week, they uh, like you know plus. 200 or however many points in their for and against. But the mm. one thing that Tim Gore also said last week was Cooper Cronk struggles to chase uh, a lead. It's really interesting, isn't it? Uh, and they did. Cronulla went in, I think it was 10 Parramatta. 6. Parramatta, sorry. 10 6 up or 10 8, one of them. Um, and yeah, the Storm and the commentators were saying in the coverage too, the Storm were didn't have many ideas when they had to chase. Yeah, and then... <laughs> it was interesting, wasn't it? And got, then they got ahead from a fluky, a fluky pass well, that led to the try. So that was, that was what they changed going into the second half, and maybe not right at the start of the second half, but they started to throw the ball around a whole lot more, mm. and that gave them the opportunity to, to score. I think there was something like a, an 11-pass piece of play which led to yeah. a try. Well, let's not get caught up in... Technical details of who played what. What's more interesting was the reaction of Brad Arthur, Parramatta's coach, after the game, who mm. in his press conference was asked what was the difference uh, between the two sides, and he replied, the bunker. And then we had uh, Trent Barrett, Manley's coach, uh, who demanded referees head Tony Archer come into the change rooms and explain to his team why they lost that game and why they weren't playing the next week. And then the best one was the next day on Sunday afternoon when Cronulla's premiership coach this is, Shane Flanagan, 
walked into the press conference holding a piece of paper, sat down and proceeded to rattle off seven instances where he thought his team had been stiffed by the umpires, by the referees. Please. What a joke. Please. Now, you know, I, I would love if the referees at that point, WWE style, had have just like burst into the, <laughs> the press conference with their own list of all the, all errors, the errors that the players made, all the questionable tactical moves that the coaches made. But no, it's too bloody easy to just blame the referees. Well, you're like this. Cronulla in that game made 17 errors. Yep. I, I think they're... Completion percentage was less than two in three sets they completed to the end. Right. Um, and they made critical, critical errors at the very end of the game when it was all on the line. Paul Gallen tried to pull a penalty right on the line. When he went for it himself, instead of uh, trying to – instead of passing back to James Maloney, one of the best field goal kickers in the game, yeah. who would have drilled it. And that was it. No extra time or anything like that. But – he went for the hero try, and when he realised he wasn't going to get the hero try, he did it. Well, he's probably listening, but yeah, Paul, you deliberately dropped the ball to try and pull a penalty. Oh, really? And well, you know, well, yeah, loose carry, I believe loose, they call sure. it. Uh, but also, yeah. was it now? I'm going to get. The, was it Andrew Fafita who yeah. had the ball right at the end, and they were in a perfect position mm. to kick a field goal to draw level? Or but it was they the, still had time too. They still yeah. had about a minute or so to go. But there yeah. was the fourth tackle. And so they've just gone, oh, well, let's get another another five, ten mm. metres. Fafita got the ball. He was... Ran towards the touchline. He was right in front. Yeah. And yeah, he ran across, 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 across. Which is fair enough because he, maybe he was trying to set, set the middle of the field for a field goal, clear the middle of the field for a field goal. But his problem was trying to push a ridiculous pass. Yeah. That got knocked on and that was the game. Yeah. That was the game. So... Shane Flanagan but, can but no, no, all no. He there, was. there was seven. Oh, that wasn't the game. It was AJ. the referee. It was the referees. Too. But the worst part about all that, and this is another. It, every week we get a good, uh, a good promo for our refs' fault podcast, which oh, yeah. is coming out after the major codes finish. Um, the reaction from the rugby league community, in particular the media, and in particular Buzz Rothfield, who is a noted Cronulla fan. Oh right, they've lost their minds. Yeah. about the referees are no good and this is rubbish and it's the reason why people don't go to the games, Andrew. It's the standard of refereeing. And a lot of people are what's what's the best word? In clowning themselves. <laughs> putting on clown shoes and putting on a big fuzzy wig and just looking like friggin' idiots. Thirty thousand dollar fine to Flanagan and twenty thousand to Barrett. Twenty I think to Barrett. It was. I don't know if any of that is suspended, but I would hope none of it is because they have to make a strong, strong message. Now let's get away from NRL and talk some AFL. Big crowds, you know, a lot of money getting into the coffers, but my God, they were f- three absolute stinkers of games. In terms of the the skill level on on show, it wasn't a great. Um, Did you being display. polite? You're being very generous. Well, well, let's go to the the one that you were at live, yes. the Geelong Richmond game, where the first quarter was there something like three goals kicked. The first half, I think there was five first half, goals, five kicked. goals kicked. Yep, first quarter, two goals kicked, and the first quarter with two goals kicked went for 32 minutes. How? I don't know, but that's a yeah. Who no. cares? That's a question for another time. And Geelong only kicked their two goals for that first half quite late in the pace. Richmond were were all over Geelong, but they just couldn't hold on to the ball. Like not as in Geelong were making them turn the ball over. They literally just couldn't hold on to it. It kept spilling out of their hands. Well, that was it. Uh, 
both teams were diabolical in their skills. And usually when it's a crap game with crap skills, in <laughs> it's a huge atmosphere though. Commentators yeah. tend to lean towards, oh, it's high pressure. It's this, that's it. It's, you know, or Richmond's pressure is enormous and Geelong's pressure was also enormous. But that first three, probably the first two, nearly three quarters was just trash. So you don't think that it was the, the pressure that each team was applying and the style of play? Well, if it was, was, you know, fair enough. But usually you get the ball, you hit a target, you run around, you handball somewhere. Both teams were just spraying it everywhere. I don't know whether the, it was maybe a little bit wet, but still, these are guys paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. They should be able to hold on to a footy. Well, the one thing that I noticed was that even when there was, you know, fumbling and whether they were under pressure or not, when someone took a mark, they didn't just stop and look for a short chip just to maintain possession for mm. a minute, two minutes, just to calm things down. It was always, no, nope, got to go, got to go, go. go. And th- that happened to Geelong a lot. They yeah. tried to play on or they tried to do something and all of a sudden there was a Richmond guy standing right next to them. And Richmond with a seven goal to one last quarter mm. just burnt them off. And Dion Prestia was good. Josh Caddy was good. Dustin Martin was good. Trent Cotcham was good. I'm not necessarily sure if there was anyone from Geelong who you would put. Let me, let me tell you a story. Andrew. All right. You're going to give me, me. give me a couple of minutes here. All right. Um, I moved from Canberra to Melbourne in late 89 – Mm-hmm. Early 1990. Okay. And that was just after – we're going down a fair way here. Right. Um, that was just after the magnificent 1989 final when Geelong ran Hawthorne to six points. One of the best games you'll ever see in your life. All of that, you know, it's noted across all codes as one of the best grand finals you'll ever see. So I went out to Waverley Park for round one, 1990, Uh Full of young hope and exuberance that my cats were about to turn something on and we were going to do good things. And I think the end result of the game, they lost by something like 125 points. I need to double check that, but it was definitely over 110. It was to Hawthorne, wasn't it? It was to Hawthorne, yeah. So that burned in my memory for quite a long time because I wasn't expecting it. I thought good things were coming. Now, last year during the prelim- at the preliminary final... Geelong, Sydney. Geelong, Sydney. Actually, before that, down at Cadenia Park, I can't remember what round it was because that's not important. Geelong versus Sydney. And Sydney came out and absolutely belted Geelong. It could have been a triple-figure result, but it wasn't because the Swans switched off and Geelong ended up losing by something like four goals. Yep. But the Swans were absolutely dominant. Okay. And I thought, no problem, that's okay. You know, you learn from things like that and off you go. So fast forward to the preliminary final last year where the Swans come out and do exactly the same thing to Geelong again, although this time they keep it going for the whole game. Yep. Uh, that, that game then took over as the worst performance I've ever seen by anyone playing for Geelong. Okay. Until last Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> it was that bad. That was... Because this is on the record, I've got to be unequivocal. That was the worst performance I've ever seen from a Geelong team in nearly 40 years of supporting them. And I've been to hundreds of games and that was the worst I've ever seen. And it wasn't due to the Richmond pressure? Well, Richmond's pressure was there. But when you've got, let's say, Steve Motlop and Patrick Dangerfield did it a few times as well. Jake College as he did it as well. Under zero pressure, just thumped the ball straight out of bounds on the full. Mm. Or in, I think it was, 
in the first quarter, Steve Motlop got the ball on the wing, turned inside, hit a Richmond guy on the chest. In amongst with two other no Richmond one guys. around him. Yeah. And they took it down the other end of the field and got one of their two goals for the quarter. Yep. That's what it was like. When they got the ball, they just butchered it. And for all the effort, because they actually out-tackled Richmond, um, but for all the effort they put in, the skills were just deplorable. And you just got the impression that, yeah, they're, they're, if they don't go out in straight sets, then that's an achievement for the year after finishing second. God, that you, you've painted a very, very dire picture of both the game and the chance of Geelong. So let's move let's away move from that. Yes. We'll go to Adelaide GWS. And GWS, who during the week had been castigated for their lack of defensive pressure in the forward line, their lack of two-way running, just relying on their, um, their skill to get them through... There was some footage of Brett Deledio in the first quarter. Score was nothing-nothing. He was next to his opponent and then Adelaide got the ball. His opponent ran away and Deledio sort of jogged for about three metres and stopped and his opponent kept going, kept going, kept going and they went from the half-back line and he was in the forward 50 and he got the took a mark on his own. My question to that is, what are you doing putting Brett Deledio in your forward line to put forward pressure on? Yeah, fair point. He's a he's a Larry halfback flanker who doesn't play on anyone and just kicks the ball. But they've got no one else. They have no mm. no defensive pressure. That's the thing, though. Like he's one of the you know senior players. He was bought in to give them leadership, and he's he's bought that. Mm. So that was a pretty ordinary game too. Adelaide Adelaide were good though. Yeah, they were without Rory Sloan, and then. Oh, Not uh, Rory Laird, uh, Brody Smith. Smith. Brody Smith. Yeah, Brody did Smith did his hammy. Uh, sorry, did his knee yeah. in the, the the first half. So they're going to be tough to beat in their prelim. The Swans, as expected, smashed Essendon. Yeah, yeah. Ten, ten straight in the second quarter, including four to Franklin, who got a corky in the first quarter. Spent quarter time on yeah. the bike. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Hobbling around, they went righto. I'll do this, and then I'll just sit off the rest of the game. You've got a feel for the amount of Essendon fans who went down to Sydney. There was a few thousand, but do you have to feel for them, or do you have to feel embarrassed for them? Why oh, would you do that? Good on them. Good on them. Yeah, save your money, fools. You're going to need to buy your memberships for next year. That's all right. They went, they went up to see off Joe Watson. Well, so did the Swans. What's next? <laughs> or the, well, the last game, the, the controversial game, West uh-huh. Coast versus Port. So there we had our own ref's fault yep. with uh, Luke Shuey being tackled by Jared Polek and shrugging his arm up onto his shoulder, getting a free kick, kicking a beautiful goal. Amazing set shot after the siren. But is, is that real? I'm over it. Are you? Yeah, you know what was, was quite funny? In the play leading up to that, Jared Pollock got Luke Shuey too high and the umpire didn't pay a free kick. So, mm. you know, all, all of, apparently it's, it only goes one so way, though. So two wrong decisions from that umpire in the crucial stages of the game. Uh, <laughs> I've got no dramas with the one that was get live. It was a free kick. All right, let's wrap this up. We've been talking for a while. All right. Who, who won the first week of the finals? NRL. NRL N- by a street. And NRL on field... But massive concerns of over crowds and people going. Mm. I think that'll clean up as the cream rises to the top, as they say in cliche world. Okay, fair enough. But we'll see. AJ, we've talked about apparently the referees in three of the four finals costing the game for one 
or an other team. That leads us to scapegoating. How it's good. a great Australian pastime. Uh, the best way to cleanse yourself of any you know, worries or anything like that, just blame someone else for when something goes wrong. Never sit back and rationally analyse a game of sport. Just pick someone and go, Raiden, tell us, you're terrible. It's your fault that we lost. Brent Stanton, you're actually quite good, but boo. Boo, boo Brent Stanton, <laughs> boo. Oh, dear. All right, do you want to start? With- yeah, let's, get, let's get into the listener... Listener right. responses, and there's a quite a few. There's a quite a few rippers here. I'll start with our good friend of the show, usual co-host, previous movie reviewer, because he hasn't given us one in about three months. Simon Carolyn, who recommends Zach Dawson, who got scapegoated by Hawthorne fans, then St Kilda fans, and now Fremantle fans. Uh, he says he was actually a pretty good defender, and he is a pretty good defender. But he was also the reason why they lost everything. Yeah. When he played for Hawthorne, he, in one of his first games, played against Anthony Rocker and got absolutely monstered. Mm. And Alistair Clarkson just went, no, we'll keep you there. We're not going to put another player on him. Trial by fire. Nothing wrong with that. The only problem was he got trial by fire pretty much every week. But then, (laughs) the yeah, I think St Kilda and particularly Frio, when everyone just went, oh, he's Ross Lyon's little love child, his little pet. But do you know the grand final where Matthew Scarlett's toe poke mm. is the you know the yeah. moment? He's half a foot away from being a hero, Zach Dawson. Zach Dawson spoil moments before that led to actually to that toe mm. poke would have been the moment. But you just got to wonder how many flags Hawthorne would have won if they'd kept Zach Dawson. Anyway, move on. <laughs> Who's next? <laughs> so Sean McLaughlin, his was a little bit cryptic. He wanted to say. Well, he's suggesting that the Collingwood Football Club are making a whole number of scapegoats for Nathan Buckley because they've to re-signed protect, to protect Nathan Buckley. You mean? Yeah, because they've re-signed Nathan Buckley. Well, that's a bit, that's a bit in depth for this hour. Throughout the season, Sean has been unequivocal in his. his Actually, that's true. Yeah, you're right. He's given Buckley. us he's given us feedback before on his uh, thoughts of Nathan. So Buckley. he's thrown out the. But you got two more the, years. The fitness Sean, advisor, so. the yeah. assistant coaches, the boot stutter. It's everyone's fault. It's got to be. All right. Next, it was Dave Brown, good friend of the show and the doyen of all sports, South Australian, uh, who brought up former former Adelaide Oval groundskeeper Nathan Lyon, uh, who Dave describes as the goat of all scapegoats, which is good. But that's kind of gone now, hasn't it? Yeah. He, early early on, he was a scapegoat because he you know he didn't turn the ball. He bowled medium paces and. Couldn't, it, couldn't win games, couldn't bowl sides out. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's right. Wouldn't, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't dominate in a fourth, fourth, <laughs> fourth innings inning. like, well, like Spitzer meant to. Just check that. He still doesn't dominate in fourth innings, but he just, get a he just gets a truckload of wickets. Yeah. Um, actually, moving on from that, your cricket scapegoat at the moment would have to be Glenn Maxwell, wouldn't it? Oh, I'm not sure if he's even a scapegoat. People just line up and go, right, oh, you're rubbish. <laughs> like, it's not a... Oh, yeah. I loved it when he made that turn in, in India and everyone like, mm, played it like a one-day game. Yeah. Should have been should have been smarter. How good was it when he hit a six to win the test match? <laughs> it's just perfect. Yeah. Well, he just mowed across the line. All you right. Know. Next. Very good friend of the show, Aaron Dallahunty. In netball, no matter the level or the standard or the, like, or the location, it's often the midcourt that cops it. Unfairly, says Aaron. Good Generic term that blames three people, but not the stars. So, Ooh. you know, you, you spread the, the blame across the wing attack centre uh, and okay. defence. So oh, it's, it's like... The, your, it's always the midcourt. So I'll relay that to football. That's your front... Your, that's your forward pressure equivalent. Yeah, like... You lost no, because the middle three weren't good enough. 
Yeah, well, no, they'll just, yeah, they'll say, oh, yeah, we weren't winning it out of the centre. We weren't winning it out of the centre. Right. Um, or it's your, you know, your, your number three batsman wasn't, uh, you know, didn't make runs. But <laughs> Aaron, right. Aaron also threw in and Gretel Tippett, yeah, who you know, is yeah. often the scapegoat. She's actually even moved, they moved her to, I think she played on the wing for Australia. Mm, which, in a controversial move yeah. in netball circles. Aaron's actually potted Gretel a few times over the last few months. Uh, so you've got to wonder if there's a bit of scapegoating going on there. Or a personal vendetta. Personal vendettas. Actually, yeah, ooh, that's a good one. Next yeah. time Aaron's on, we'll ask her about that. Right. Actually, that's a good topic, personal vendettas. Yeah. <laughs> Who All else right. have we got? Next, the starting block, which is Damo and Greeno every Thursday, 7 p.m. 2GLF. That's Western Sydney Radio, 89.3 FM, or go to 89.3 FM.com.au, who tell us Mitchell Pierce is the poster boy for NRL scapegoating, and is he what? This was one of the best responses we got. It's always his fault. Oh, if he's wearing a blue jumper, it is definitely his fault that New South Wales lost. It's nothing to do with their players getting off on the cans the week of the game, no. or Jared Hayne throwing ridiculous passes behind his back, or trying no. for a hero try. Mitchell Bloody Pierce. Always Mitchell Pierce. He does put himself out there though, Mitchell. So. But you've got to have the ball. Oh, he's to... behaved now. He's yeah. Behaved now. Yeah. Who's next? Uh, La Tigra Watteau. Richo, Matthew Richardson, before he was everyone's favourite. So Matthew <laughs> Richardson in the AFL, he copped the wrath of a lot of Richmond supporters just because he would miss goals. His kicking wasn't overly accurate in his early days. Mm. But also he was so overly dramatic in his petulant behaviour <laughs> when someone didn't kick the ball to him. It was just like all the play- the, the fans, oh, Richo, it's your fault that we're not winning. Some of the worst cursing I've ever heard at sporting events was directed from Richmond fans to Matthew Richardson. Oh, really? Yeah, and that was, you know, I was a youngling growing up, so I learned. An learnt, impressionable young man. An impressionable young man. But the, the weird thing about that, Richmond stunk when Richo started out. Yeah. And he was still copying it for, you know, anyway, um, let's move on. (laughs) Rob Fleming, uh, he's a Collingwood supporter, and he suggested that Jared Blair is his go-to scapegoat. I don't get that one, Rob. But I guess that's more in your personal vendetta, is it? Yeah, it's just like, no, so Jared Blair, like, always because he, you know, he should be kicking three goals, or he should be, he should actually move into the midfield. He's just It's a talent-based scapegoat. Yeah. Uh, All right. So, because he should be doing better. Should be doing better. Next. Tim Gore has said Ricky Stewart. Now, I'm sure Tim Gore doesn't scapegoat Ricky Stewart. Tim Gore, no Tim Camera Raiders fan. Tim Gore protects Ricky Stewart from being scapegoated. So I'm sure that's what he meant when he just said Ricky Stewart. Tim, next time you get in touch with us, make sure we get just a fraction more detail because your love affair with Ricky Stewart is on the rocks here. Is he suggesting that other people scapegoat Ricky Stewart and he that's, has to go into bat for him? For yes, him? I, think that's, I think that's what he's saying. All right. All right. What else have we got? Two more. Ian Harkin on the Twitter. If I'm an NRL coach, it's more than likely the referees. It couldn't <laughs> possibly have been me or the players. Spot on. <laughs> yes. I like that. Yep. Bingo. And to finish off from Ryan on the Twitter, it would be remiss not to include Steve Bartman. Now, do you know the story of Steve Bartman? I do, I do. Do you yeah. want to recount? I will. I'll be quick because we're running horribly over time today. Uh, Steve Bartman was a Chicago Cubs fan who caught a foul ball in the eighth inning of Game Six of the 2003 National League Championship Series. Now, this which, is which what everyone does when the ball goes goes foul. As we all heard again and again and again last year, the Cubs hadn't won a World Series since 1908, mm-hmm. and the Championship Series is your preliminary final to the World Series. Uh, Chicago were ahead three 0 in the game, 
and they were heading the series three to two. Now Moises Alou went over to catch the ball. Bartman reached up, reached up, knocked the foul ball away. So Batsman gets there um, on interference. Now, if he'd caught the ball, if Alou had been able to catch the ball, the Cubs would have been four outs away from winning their first National League pennant since 1945. Mm-hmm. But you'd think, shake it off, get over it. These things happen. Pretty much. Like, literally happens nearly every game. Where things go south for Steve Bartman, though, is that the Cubs gave up eight runs in the rest of that inning and lost the game 8-3. <laughs> oh. Then they were eliminated the next day in the seventh oh, game. Oh, no. <laughs> so... And it didn't end there for Steve, did it? No, he got harassed for years. Someone mm. published his name and address on a... On a baseball forum, and so he was, yeah, needed police protection and all that sort of stuff. He got death threats, hundreds, if not thousands, because people are freaking idiots. Of yep. Death threats. He was held responsible for costing the Cubs the World Series, which, you know, it was still eight games away at the time. But yeah. anyway, um, so that's probably, that's a massive, massive scapegoat. Well, yeah, the fact that it didn't wasn't just. That point in time, it continued on and went on and on and on and on. Actually, there's a really interesting. Uh, goat curse. Yeah, the curse of the billy goat. Yeah. For the Cubs as well. A literal scapegoat. Yeah. But we'll get to that another time. Now, we'll, we should do our own scapegoats. Yes. I, I don't Do really, you have one? You're a, pretty, you're a pretty loving guy. Yeah, you, I don't. You take it pretty easy. You don't mind. You know, your team loses, hey? That's all right. Yeah, you know, Hawthorne supporters. But you're a smug Hawthorne fan who's just sick of winning premierships, so oh, there's that. So hard. But Hawthorne supporters, you know, Ryan Schoenmakers was one, Tom Murphy was one, Luke McKay, Raiden Tallis. You know, everyone's got their own scapegoat. But... You were talking about someone posting Steve Bartman's name and address mm. on a, a forum. Someone that's that's someone, pretty. That's pretty crazy stuff. Someone on a Hawthorne forum posted Darren Goldspink's. It was it was his business. No, no, who's who's like, Darren Goldspink? For Darren Goldspink was a former AFL umpire who some lunatics think cost Hawthorne not just the 2001 preliminary final, but then every game that he ever umpired because he hates Hawthorne. <laughs> he had a personal vendetta against the Hawks, did he? Apparently so. Right. And this person, yeah, posted his news agency. So Darren Goldsmith owned a news agency. Oh, God. And yeah, he posted those details online and said, everyone just get stuck into him. Like, oh, people mate. are freaking idiots. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, a, yeah. that's yet another ref's fault one. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so yeah, I don't, I don't go into the scapegoat, so I'm just like, oh, well, you know, it would have been nice if we won, but mm. rational thought. Mm. What about you? Steve Motlop, yep. Andrew. <laughs> Steve Motlop. Uh, two years ago, he was electrifying. Yes. Playing really well, kicking goals, uh, hitting targets when he kicked things, when he kicked the ball. But now he's seen – and it's not just me. He's the, uh, he's the scapegoat of choice for – Cats fans, all Geelong fans. They, so everyone, but he has earned it. Him. He's earned it. Don't worry about that. But the the one weird thing that did happen, I did feel a little bit for him during the Friday night game, late or about halfway through the last quarter. He took a mark half back, yep, and he went back as you do. You go back and just let everyone set up their defensive schemes, and booze just started ringing out around the stadium, and it oh. was it was hard to tell because it was a 95,000 crowd with 94,950 Tigers fans in yeah. it. Uh, Geelong fans like, don't like to travel. That might have been the uh, loudest noise <laughs> that Cats, Cats fans made all night. I was booing Steve Motlop late in the last quarter.
Time for questions without notice, Andrew. This is going to be a good one, and it's going to be a reasonably quick one because quick my, my God, are we running over time? Here's the first question. There is one coach who is taking his team through the AFL finals. They're looking pretty good. They've looked good for quite a while. And uh, I'm not sure he's quite getting the recognition he deserves. So, Andrew, the first question without notice to you is, has the Sydney Swans coach, John Longmire, been underrated as a coach? Oh. Um, he's know, won a premiership. He... He's been in three grand finals. Yeah, he's certainly done very well with the, the list regeneration that he's done because there's a lot of young Sydney players that are coming through. They were zero and six. Is, have they done the... Coach of the Year award. I think that's happening as we speak, so okay. we won't break that. But uh, that zero and six was not your typical zero and six because no. the Swans played actually pretty well, and they were blooding yeah. a lot of young fellas who are now dominating. <laughs> I, I don't think that he's necessarily underrated because I think that he within AFL circles he is rated quite highly, isn't he? Well, that's, I don't know. I'm asking you. I, well, yeah, I I think that he that he is rated quite highly, and this year. People have just gone. Wow, he's done really well to to turn the team around. But you look at yeah, you look at the list over the past four years, and there are just so many new players coming through. He's an excellent coach. I don't think he's underrated. I think he's appropriately rated quite highly. To me, he's the best coach of the last five years. Okay, with the last five years before that being Alistair Clarkson. All right, but anyway, that's that. What's your first question? Did you know that the NBL Blitz was on over the weekend? I did. Did you? Yeah. Right. I don't know what happened, but I know it was on. It and I also know that the NBL and WNBL seasons launched uh, over the weekend. I think it was over the weekend. And Larry Kestelman, the owner of the owner and CEO, I think he is, of the NBL, has said that he wants his sport, his league, to be the number one summer sport. So fighting yeah. words. Fighting yeah. words. Huge. So the NBL Blitz was in Victoria – most games were in Terrelgan. Then there was some really? in Melbourne. Really? Yep, yep. The Melbourne United won the Loggins Bruton Cup. Oh, that's a brilliant name for a trophy. Brisbane Bullets' Travis Trice, their US import, won the Ray Borner Medal for the tournament MVP. Double T. It's the first time since 1987 that an NBL preseason comp had no team go undefeated and no team go winless, which says that it's going to be a close season well, when it how, did, how did we not know about that? On the 5th of October. How do we not know about that? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. They want it to be the number one league. I had no idea that the NBL Blitz was on. They're going to have to do a lot of oh, there was a fair There was a fair bit of coverage, but the NBL aren't shy with their marketing, so we'll, we'll see that coming up. All right. All right. Next question. Are you ready? I am. The uh, sport kicked off its season over the weekend. There's... Billions of dollars involved. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of spectators who go, thousands and thousands and thousands of people who go just to be outside the ground. Andrew, my question to you, is the National Football League the biggest sports league in the world? Oh, surely. Oh, actually, yeah. Or is college football bigger? Do they get bigger crowds? The NFL is huge. The NFL culture of tailgating, Go, everyone going and having a barbecue in the car park beforehand. Amazing. How good would that be if you could do it in Australia without getting arrested? Yeah, well, you used to be able to do it at the MCG on Grand Final Day, but you're not mm. allowed to anymore. No, you're not allowed to park there. Um, oh, it's certainly got massive claims for biggest sporting league in the world. Mm. Yeah. All right, that's fair enough. We might revisit that because there's a lot of NFL to go. Yeah. Uh, next. 
Should Super Rugby give up on South Africa and include Pacific Island nations in the Super Rugby competition? They should include Pacific Island nations, mm. but they shouldn't give up on South Africa. Oh, okay. Yeah. So more. 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 A Super 21. A super... A super... <laughs> XXV, XXXVVIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIII
I've got I'm even I don't even know why they do go and say oh okay well this decision was right this was wrong but right just just go I don't I don't we, mind that we back our we back our umpires we have internal processes I don't mind that but like you just said about Ange if the head of referees or umpires or anyone is going to go out there and face the public the message back home has to be really really solid that I am saying this to them but yeah. to you, the message is this. Yeah, I'm supporting you. Yeah, and I'm not convinced that that's – well, speaking for the NRL, I'm not convinced that that's the go. In the AFL, that's rock solid. Yeah. Yeah. Although the umpire that paid the Luke Shuey free kick is not umpiring this week. Well, that's because he made those that error beforehand. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. All uh, right. Uh, that'll do. Yep, that'll do us for this week's episode of A Sporting Discussion. Thank you, Andrew. It's good to see you again. Thank you. It's we a might, pleasure we to might be do here. this next week as well. Why not? Uh, well, after you finish your commitments on Monday morning, 7.15 a.m. on 3RRR FM in Melbourne or on your streaming services. You are doing that, aren't you? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed, lovely. I am. Uh, and uh, now you've got something new that you... Are you able to announce it or is it something that you want to keep under your hat? A couple of things I need to keep under my hat, but I will announce one thing. Okay. And that is I am going to be doing the ABL coverage for the Australian Baseball Alumni, Woo! Uh, which is going to be good fun, I think. We're going to do some writing, do some features, do some interesting stuff. So When does good. the season start? So I apologise. Season starts October, November 19, sorry. November 19? 16, sorry. November uh, 16? Brisbane Bandits versus our Canberra Cavalry. Our Canberra Cavalry and uh, the Melbourne Aces yes. out at... At the a, Boondocks. Altona. Altona. Uh, sorry, Melbourne Ballpark. Melbourne Ballpark. Uh, they start off against the Perth Heat. Brilliant. Should be interesting one. So there'll be more about that. So I apologise in advance to everyone for the baseball stuff you're going to be seeing on our Twitter, which is at ASD underscore podcast, and our Facebook page, facebook.com slash supporting discussion. Head over there, give us a like, leave a comment. Uh, we need your comments to thrive in this podcast. We need your input. We need your wax. We need your arguments. We need everything. Andrew... Yes. That'll do. See ya. See ya.